0: So the next question, this is actually two questions, but I'm going to make it one because I think they Mm -hmm. kind of relate to the same thing. The question is, do you ever feel uncomfortable around people that seem unaware of their reality? And then the next question was ever been to the ER since you embarked on this journey? I have, and bearing witness to folks who are acutely mentally and or physically in distress really makes me uncomfortable. And so I think Uh, I want to combine these questions because there is some overlap, right? Right. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk physically. The first one was, do do you ever feel uncomfortable around people that seem unaware of their reality? Right. But let's start talking about people who are in acute physical distress. Uh Uh-huh. Because... First of all, I think awareness of reality applies to everybody. Right. And right. <laughs> really. But the physical is a little clearer than when we start to talk about, you know, different perceptions of, of reality that I think there'll be groundwork in discussing physical distress that will
1: pay off when we talk about yeah. mental. Well, First of all, like I haven't, I have not been into the ER since like being super involved with Buddhist study and practice. So I can't necessarily answer from, you know, that point of view, but I mean, we're kind of having to like make up a little bit of the framework here. Cause like, I'm not sure if, if we're talking about just bearing witness to situations or if we're talking about being potentially in the position of being able to help somebody. I mean, I'm not exactly sure. Well, the Uh, the question is
0: definitely saying bearing witness um, to folks uh, makes me uncomfortable,
1: you know? Right. Okay, good. Good. So the main thing I would just say, that's just normal. Like I'm sure being around people in acute physical discomfort makes us all uncomfortable on a certain level. It's just like a normal, intelligent perception, I think, because we relate what they're going through to what could happen to us. And in a sense, that's compassion. I mean, as long as we don't become too fixated on, or I would say maybe as long as we, yeah, don't become too fixated, but especially don't let the perception come down too much in the area of aversion. You know, I think that's a, that's a subtle movement away from just the pure experience of being uncomfortable you know i think that maybe we become uncomfortable and then in a very quick and subtle twist we don't like that which is you know makes sense but i think maybe what we're what i'm suggesting here is that it's okay to be uncomfortable um and we kind of need to develop um you know, little by little, we need to develop a little bit of more tolerance for being uncomfortable because life has that uncomfortable dimension. And we spend a lot of time over the course of a day trying to limit that unrealistically, I think. Um, so I think we kind of need to be able to include experiences of being uncomfortable uh, into our ongoing uh practice mind so to speak we can just kind of like let that be there and yeah like especially in the case of bearing witness to people suffering I think either physically or mentally it's like the fact that it makes us uncomfortable is good in the sense that it shows us that we're alive and perceiving the world and we can just kind of use that as like a link to open up into more compassion and I think that's when we get into the territory practically of like you know, maybe a good way to work with it is to make aspirations or something. I mean, a lot of the time when we bear witness to those situations, there's not anything that we can immediately do to help. So just kind of like orienting yourself to the situation internally in the right way is sometimes the best thing we can do.
0: Yeah. And I think that the use of uncomfortable in both of these questions, um, I think says a lot. The the first one was, do you feel uncomfortable around people that seem unaware of their reality? And the second one was basically like, I feel uncomfortable around people who are in physical and mental distress. And I can, first of all, All I can definitely relate for sure. I definitely can relate. Um, But to go to the first part about feel uncomfortable around people that seem unaware of their reality, um, I would point out that any discomfort that we feel usually arises when we're forced to meet with life's uncertainty, uh-huh. like when we're forced to be aware of and present with, uh, impermanence and groundlessness and, you know, identitylessness in a way, even, you know, like something that questions who we are or, you know, for instance, being around physical distress is a reminder that that could be us. You know, right, it's a reminder right. that we are impermanent and bad things happen and they could happen to us too. You uh-huh. know, so our reality is that, but we don't want to think about it. And when we do meet with it, even in the most subtle and simple ways, we tend to distract ourselves. We, we tend to react in ways that create a distraction so we don't have to pay attention to that reality. And that's our habituation, that's our training, and that's why we start the Buddhist path with simple shamatha, meditation, calm-abiding meditation, because it's uncomfortable. Yeah, Because it is a practice in being present with the discomfort of impermanence and the discomfort of not reacting to everything that comes into our mind. That's why we start there. And that's why we say it's a foundational practice because we have to start with these simple, basically, I mean, on one level, innocuous kind of discomforts. Um, We have to start there because that's what gets us to where we're more able to be present with bigger, more um, profound kind of uh, meetings.
1: Right. uh, Distress. and, And so... I I don't know. That's actually a really good point. I just I don't want to lose that because I think it's it's so practically applicable, like what you're saying about using little moments to kind of build the muscle. Because it goes Mm -hmm. back to what we were saying a minute ago about how in a way it it does not make sense to prioritize any particular moment of experience because no matter what the particulars may be we fundamentally have the same situation which is our own mind developing habits in relation to circumstances and so mm-hmm. there's a, there's a way in which even very small moments if we like orient ourselves the right way to them are extremely significant you know it's like if you can basically settle yourself in that moment of do I have time to like brush my teeth before I go grab the cup of coffee and leave for work? That's all a uh, very inconsequential stuff. Right. But the state of mind that is stressed in that moment is the same mind that will be stressed in a bigger moment. So mm-hmm. in a, w- in a way it is very consequential how we re- react to the smallest of situations. Because like you said, all we have is that ongoing relationship to our mind. And, and when that comes through in a big moment, it's like maybe we'll be able to treat that big moment like a small moment in the best way. You know, mm-hmm. not in a trivial way, but in a good way. You know, that's the kind of place that we could hope to be at, I think, for like when we each individually have to die. You know, basically everything is practice for that. And like maybe it's just another moment in, in a good way. You know,
0: mm-hmm. and the idea of being uncomfortable around people that seem unaware of their reality—it's interesting in so many ways. You know, because when we meet with people, it, it seems—you know—and our perception is that they're unaware of their reality. I think it would be helpful to recall that we're often in that same place you know for sure yeah i'm wondering if the person who wrote this wasn't thinking of people who are having some sort of psychological breakdown that definitely comes up in the next part of this question but i think it's important to note that like even people who are like in an acute mental breakdown uh are still much closer to where we are than we are to buddhahood Right. So right. like that's a really important distinction to remember is that like how far we are from being fully awake to the actual state of things is quite far, you know? Um and we're actually pretty close to where people who are mentally insane are. <laughs> because, right. because we make so many mistakes and so often distract ourselves or ignore actively reality like that's really because if we're going to talk about reality we got to talk about reality you know and reality is interdependent reality is limitless reality is no self you know um these are like the ultimate view of things the the real reality like we experience a self and we experience things as seeming to last a while and things like that um but but we have to bring that into accord with the ultimate truth about things. And, and we are are pretty far from getting it, even though we conceptually may be able to get our heads around it briefly. So right. uh, this is sort of just another way to work with that situation. When it seems like somebody is not connecting with their reality, uh, we need to remember that we do that same thing, you know, and that's actually a right. good way of connecting in that moment and, and being in a, a good basis for generating the most beneficial kinds of emotions, you know, the the types of thought patterns that will help us and help them are more yeah. likely to arise when we're thinking about what we have in common than what we have that's different. And because we're so much closer to someone who is having a psychological issue than we are to a Buddha, um, we owe them a lot more patience than we might normally think.
1: Right, right. And, I mean, just as another way of looking at the same thing just for the hell of it, just another kind of perspective in there. It's like ourselves, a Buddha, and a truly, you know, pronounced insane person, none of us are that far off from each other, you know? It's mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. it's just like a spectrum. Everybody's on the same ultimate spectrum. I mean, that's maybe just like another way to look at it if we needed a little bit more of a pure view sentiment on a given day or something. It's like the fact that we're actually, we're not far off from someone who's actually mentally ill uh, has an encouraging quality too for everybody, you know, for the same reason that you're saying it's like, yeah, it's like, okay, there's Buddha's, there's me, there's people who are experiencing a much more pronounced kind of mental illness than I am. But like at the end of the day, we're kind of all on this spectrum of reality. And also none of us are that far off. Like the ultimate kind of innate purity of the ground or whatever is equally present in all of us. So that's kind of mm-hmm. encouraging. I feel like a sentiment that we're hearing come through and a lot of things we're saying is just... Um, no matter how we're phrasing things or what perspective we're looking at things from, there's an underlying sentiment of not separating ourselves from situations and people. You know, like we never really want to think we're much better than anyone else or that different from anyone else. You know, that's something I hear in a lot of what we're saying.
0: Yeah, and I think that the uh, the feeling of uncomfortableness is a synonym for discomfort, which is suffering in the Buddhist context, which is what the Buddha said, our existence based on attachment to the self is. Right. So any experience of discomfort or uncomfortableness can be viewed as an opportunity. You know, like mm-hmm. ac- it's kind of like, like if you have a problem with your car, right. And then you finally get it into the mechanic to take a look at it and your car won't do it so there's nothing the mechanic can look at to try to fix you know right, right, these right. moments of uncomfortableness are a specimen to be examined you know like yeah. each one of them is an opportunity to look at full blown suffering you know like our yeah. own suffering in the moment and that's exactly what the buddha said we need to understand we need to understand that discomfort so when we have discomfort uncomfortableness Um, really maybe the the most important instruction is don't turn away from it right away. Right. Like you may need to manage how much you can handle. That's really important. But the first response ought to be to break the habit of trying to distract ourselves from it and instead kind of just hang out in it for a minute, you know, and think about, in particular, what are we attached to that's causing that discomfort because the Buddha said that all suffering is, is caused by attachment, you know? So try to think about what concept or what idea or what habit, like where, where's the attachment that's causing that suffering, you know, and and what can we do to let go of it or, or even just loosen our grip a little bit because the, the, the uncomfortableness will keep coming back until we fix its cause. That's really Mm. the point here is, like, there's a cause that needs to be taken care of, and we can't just keep batting away the symptoms and think that that's going to do anything. uh, Really, what that's going to do when we just keep batting away the symptoms is create more instances of discomfort. So on on a real educational sort of side of things, like, we really need to not run away from uncomfortableness and we should try to understand it and figure out what's causing it. But then uh, the other side of that um, we also need to know that um, if we're outside our abilities, you know, if we're outside where we can healthily engage, then it is okay to remove yourself from a situation like that Um, and, and to do it with compassion. You know, like that's the most important thing is if it, and that's really where we start to wake up too, is when we recognize when we've reached our limit, you know, of what we can handle without acting out in, in negative ways, you know, so it becomes really important to try to engage until the point where you can no longer productively do that. And at that point, compassionately uh, removing yourself from the situation if possible.
1: Yeah. That's an important point too, about just Recognizing that you know the uncomfortability is fortunate, you know, that's the basic feeling that got all of us started on trying to do some kind of practice. You know, the more that one is able to distract themselves and find distractions from that uncomfortability, basically, the less fortunate that situation is because. Kinda of like you're saying, sooner or later we've gotta get into the deeper causes of that and you know, becoming sensitive to how uncomfortable we, uncomfortable we are in so many situations is a good thing, you know. And then also just to uh bring it to like a little bit of some formal Buddhist sentiment, um, in particular we're really fortunate to be human beings because the the typical explanation of that is like hu- the human life uh, represents a very unique opportunity to become sensitive to that level of basic suffering that we all have, but to actually not be so overwhelmed by it that we're unable to do something about it. You know, I mean, we have a good level of that. We're very aware that something is a little off with our experience and that we're uncomfortable and that there's some nagging existential issue, but we actually still have enough room to where we can change the course of that reality. So that's like, just as far as uh, big, like zoomed out universal view, that's particularly fortunate. Developing a consistent meditation practice is not really protection against reality at all. Um, you know, it's not, it's not like developing a meditation practice is getting you to the point where you're not uncomfortable anymore or something like that, at, at, least, at least in the beginning. I mean, maybe it could be said that we're moving toward a fundamental state of comfort in the sense that we're able to accommodate anything that might come up but even then, I think it doesn't mean that you're not experiencing the appearance of uncomfortability, you know? So anyway, the, the point being, I think, at least in the beginning, is that actually, it's quite possible that you'll be, that one will become more, much more sensitive to all the areas in which they really are uncomfortable. And uh, that's just part of the ride. Um, I don't think there's any way to to like dance around that, which I think basically is. Um, to be honest, I think that's the resistance that people have to sitting practice is that they know that it's going to open up that door. But I would say that not being willing to walk through it is just putting it off and not to like end on that heavy note. You know, that's where all the sort of the humor and the kind of like. I don't know, all-encompassing catharsis of the whole thing becomes important too. It's like lines are getting blurred and, you know, the whole thing just hangs together. I don't know.